Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Try Faster podcast presented by the Fort Worth Tri Club, where we dive into triathlon-specific training, coaching, and discuss current triathlon news and races. My name is Michael. I'm your normal average age group triathlete, and I'm joined by my coach and friend, Keith Kotar. How are you doing, Keith? Pretty good, Michael. Excited that it's Kona Week and Chicago Marathon Week. I know. It can't get more exciting than that. So that's that's pretty much all we're going to be discussing today. Uh, I'm super stoked to be talking about Kona for the first time on the podcast. This is something we we always talk about um, year after year. Um, but we're back in Kona for the first time since 2019, right? 2019, yeah. um, which is it's just exciting. Um, so we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on. We'll give you our favorites. We'll talk about dark horses. We'll tell you some of the storylines we think might unfold. It should be very exciting. Uh, I'm also going to give you a little prep or preview into the Chicago marathon that's coming up for me this weekend. Um, but before we do that, let's get into some individual training updates. Keith, I know you were racing this weekend. How'd everything go for you? It, it wasn't too bad. We had, a, a one of the last races of the year here in, in Fort Worth and, uh, there's a race they have twice a year, um, same course. And it's, it's like 15 minutes from my house. So it's pretty great. Usually we kind of have to drive to the other side of town for races. So, um, it was fun. We had a pretty good team presence and, um, it was good. I'm four weeks out now from 70.3 worlds and, uh, feel like the fitness is finally coming around. Um, so this is also like the, the one week since, I, or one year since I uh, left my teaching job last year. So, um, looking back through the log, I'm, I'm not quite as fit as I was hoping to be, but it's definitely trending up. I think my CTL is close to 30 points higher than it was at this week last year. So, um, I'm still about 40 or 50 points lower than I want to be at this time next year, but, uh, the training is trending upward. So it's pretty good. Um, but I got, uh, I finished third overall yesterday. I didn't really have a good swim. Um, it was surprisingly wetsuit legal and, I never really got comfortable in the wetsuit. I haven't worn it since May. Um, I mean, I'm sure that I still swim faster than I would have without it, but, uh, and I didn't really feel so great in the swim, um, got out and the, uh, the bike was pretty good. It took me about seven or eight miles to kind of find my legs. And I think this was probably the first time in the last couple of years that I felt like I could actually attack the bike the way I wanted to. I feel like most of the races I've done, especially this year, um, even sprints, I'm kind of doing them at 70.3 power because that's about all I've got. And then I finally felt like I had a couple different gears to work with. Um, just because like my volume has been so low the last three or four years for not really training that I feel like I haven't been able to push as hard as I want for two hours. Um, so yesterday that was kind of a nice breakthrough and a sign that things are going the right way. Um, but I came off the bike in third and, um, I ran kind of hard to about the U-turn on the 10K and I saw that I was a couple minutes ahead of fourth and still a couple minutes behind second. So kind of packed it in and rested up a little bit so I could uh, get back to training hopefully pretty hard tomorrow since we're getting close to, to race day. So it was good, good race and good to have, have fun at the local ones for sure. Yeah, support the local races and congrats on the podium. It's what, four weeks out from 70.3? worlds in st george right yeah leaving uh three weeks from wednesday so we're getting close that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and you're gonna need the wetsuit when you get up there most likely um yeah but. yeah the the water temp is borderline but i'm probably going to swim the rest of the open water swims in it until then yeah get used to get used to the wetsuit because you likely will need it yeah cool 
So this is it for you. It's marathon week. I know there's not much else to say. Well, I guess there's a lot to say, uh, not much else to do. Uh, marathon week last week, you know, even the tapers already really started, right? Kind of a two week yeah. taper leading into things. Um, this weekend you had a 90 minute run. It's kind of funny how, when you start training for a marathon, a 90 minute run feels like your long run. And then by the time you're done training, the 90 minute run feels like your taper run, but in essence, right. It was exactly what it was. Um, I guess like looking at things moving forward, I'm as fresh as can be, right? Like there are points of the build where like, I think after the longest long run, I had a little bit of tenderness in the knee but went away really quickly or parts of the build, um, after key workouts were, you know, just like the ankles were a little stiff or tender, but they went away really quickly at this point, even after a week of taper, I feel good. There's nothing on me. No, no niggles, no, no pain whatsoever, which like, maybe I shouldn't be saying that. Cause I'm like, oh, I just threw out my excuse, but like, no, I feel good. Um, and that's a, that's a really good thing because, um, you never probably want to show up to the race line feeling like, Hey, I got a little here. I got a little there and, and it could be better. I think most races I show up feeling that way. And for once I'm actually showing up feeling fresh, which is, which is neat. Yeah. Well, it's uh, kind of scary race week. Cause you're, you're hypersensitive to everything. So if you, uh, yeah. if you don't feel anything, that's probably a good sign. Cause you're probably thinking about it more than you normally would. I've, I've actually done some of my longer runs two two of my long runs on the treadmill inside my house because I do them really early in the morning and it's just too dark to go out on the trail. And I'm like, I am not going to go, you know, sprain my ankle a month before the race. So that was actually playing in my mind weeks ago is to just make sure that I don't do anything stupid and get myself hurt before I go out there and try to do a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at Sunday, uh, here in Chicago, the weather, I don't know how you can say it, it's pretty much perfect. It, it, it's bound the highs are bouncing around a little bit, uh, but the temp between seven and 10 AM right now is looking like it's going to be low forties, um, mostly clear skies. So it's pretty much, uh, I haven't looked at the wind. Sometimes the wind in Chicago can, can be a little bit challenging. Um, but temp wise, it's looking as ideal as you can get for a marathon. It's actually maybe a little cooler than what I would prefer. I think low forties is probably what they say is like scientifically the most perfect temperature. Um, but for me that, that does feel a little cool and it makes me think, do I need to wear gloves or do I need to wear arm sleeves and just be prepared to take them off? I'm, I'm leaning more toward starting with gloves and just tossing them at one of the aid stations at some point in the race, but I'll figure that out later, um, on the week. I don't know if you have any ideas on that or suggestions. Uh, for me, that would be gloves weather until, yeah. until it was time. just get some cheap knit gloves and uh, yeah. toss them. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Cause the fingers will be cold until you're probably at the five or 10 K mark and really heat it up. Um, so that kind of gets me to like, Hey, what am I Keith? I want to run through my, pl my, my plan throughout the rest of this week, my own tips I'm telling in my head. Um, so you can tell me if I'm doing anything stupid or if I need to ch change anything leading in, leading in. Okay. So, uh, the week plan right now is certainly, well, obviously you're going to keep prescribing the workouts. They're going to be easy. We're going to get some intensity in there though. Cause I need my legs to stay alive. I feel like just easy running, no intensity. I'll show up dead to the, like the legs will show up dead to the race. They're just not ready to, to move. Um, so I'm hoping that's what we see. Uh, I'm picking up my packet on Friday. So Saturday, easy staying off the feet 
the day before the race, get maybe certainly an easy run in, but for the most part, as much off the feet time as possible. It's hard to do with a newborn and two-year-old, but I'll do my best. Um, night before the race, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. Usually I do, and you know this, Keith, Chipotle, um, but I'm going to keep it even more simple the night before the race and um, probably just do pasta, plain carbs, because uh, I just don't want anything like the beans or something else to get in the way of a race uh, or of the race. Yeah. Uh, so Sunday, the pre-race meal I have to be downtown really early. The corral opens. I think I have to, the corral closes by like six twenty or six thirty. It's like almost thirty minutes before the race for the professionals even starts. So like you have to be down there and standing in the corral for a very long time. So my pre-race meal is going to be three or four a.m., which originally when I was thinking about this is earlier than what I anticipated. Um, so that that's going to be pancakes three or four in the morning with plenty of maple syrup, real the real stuff. Um, but that's going to allow me something since that's so much earlier, since I'm probably going to be starting around 715, 720, 725, somewhere in there. That's going to allow me before the race even goes off, I'm going to take an extra gel with me. So 10 to 15 minutes before the race goes off, I'm going to be taking a gel, um, just to kind of top, top the system off, make sure that I'm starting with a full tank. And when, once the race starts, here's my plan. Um, I want to go slow. Everyone who's, who's told me like the start of the marathon, like these big city marathons, maybe it's any marathon. Um, they went out screaming way too fast. You have the adrenaline, you're cold, you're being pulled along because everyone else is going fast. You pick the reason, but everyone pretty much has told me they went out way too fast on that first mile. So in my head, I'm telling myself like goal pace is obviously 650. I want to be 650, maybe even 652, go out even slower um, than what's necessary at the start and get to perhaps like the 5k mark, which is still almost all downtown in the city, a few seconds over goal. Like I'm not gonna be freaking out just over the 5k mark if I come across two, three, four, five seconds over goal. There's time to still be made up, but I don't wanna put myself into a deficit early on. Cause I know just based off of the long runs, the training, that when you've given me those 640, or sub paces, I'm going to, that, those are, that's me digging a hole. And I don't want to get into that, especially mile one. Right. Yeah. I think it's better just to be a couple seconds off and work your way through. Um, but try to be even, you know, I don't think, uh, it's realistic to have a big negative split just because of what happens toward the end. Um, and so like the last few miles, you're probably not going to pick it up. And so I think you want to be kind of right there at the pace when you get to 20, 21, 22. And so that way you don't have to try to make up time when you get to the end. Um, yeah, but you will have a lot of people around you. You'll, it'll be, it'll be a big mob. I'm sure you're, you're going to have a crowd people to run with. Yeah, there will definitely be a lot of people around me. I think the hardest part, um, like I don't want to go out too slow, right? I get, I get your point, right? Don't go out too slow and get yourself in a hole, but my half goal Right now, I have it as I want to cross the line at the half at 130, not 129. 129 is obviously fast. If I can book a couple seconds, good. But my plan is to hit the half at 130 and negative split the back half of a marathon. Is that realistic for a first timer with what, with my experience? Or what do you think? I don't know if you're going to be able to negative split, but I think that, you know, 129, 45, 129, 30, just bank yourself a second or two per mile and, give yourself somewhere to go. Um, 
but I, I mean, I think that even is the way to go for sure. Just kind of be, be uh, close to even or maybe slightly ahead. And then the back half, just hang on. Uh, I looked at like, like, I looked at the Chicago marathon last year and there was like of the people that ran under three hours that started and ran a one one twenty nine or slower first half. There was only one person that did that. So I want to be that one person this year. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty tough. I think the difference between you know uh, a marathon and like a five k is when you start to slow in like five k or ten k, it's usually like it hurts really bad, and it's more of a you know like the lactic acid burn sort of a your body can't just, just can't do it anymore. Whereas I feel like when you get to the end of a longer race, it's like your legs just are done. And so you just have to keep trying to turn your legs over, you know, um, as opposed to like a big slowdown. Like, so for me, you know, the, the one marathon I ran, I had some nutritional issues, so I slowed down a lot. Um, but the halves that I've run where I started to run out of gas toward the end, I kind of still have a speed minimum in my body because I'm, you know, that's, that's like the spot, but I feel like it's just how fast can my legs go once they're completely dead right at the end. And it's, it's legs and it's not, as long as you don't have any problems nutritionally, it's, uh, it's just getting the legs to turn over. Okay. Well, even, even at your suggested pace, just so there was one person that did that last year over a 129 first half and ended under three hours yeah the, that's what was 130.16 yeah okay so like i gotta i got to i gotta come in a little bit fast on the half like 129.30 so four or excuse me 648 648s and then hopefully even split a similar effort on the back half and then I'll, you know, at least I'll get hopefully halfway through the half before I slow down and, uh, and manage. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. Okay. So going past the, the splits and how I need to run this race, I'll target, I'll target it just like we talked about there. Um, gels, Originally, a couple of conversations ago, I said I want to take every 20 minutes. I never really got to that point in training in the long run. It was probably closer to every 25 minutes, maybe even sometimes longer. So during the race, I'm targeting every 25 to 30 minutes for the gel. And I think if I start with a full tank, I hit that gel 10 to 15 minutes before the start, you know, 25, 30 minutes into the race and, and there on, I should be able to still get down five maybe six gels before the end uh, that sixth gel will really kind of be a, if needed, cause it's not really going to help that much that close to the end. So that's my nutrition strategy, grab water when or where I need it off the course. But, um, with the cool weather we're going to have, I'm not, not anticipating any major hydration issues. So that's my plan there. Here's the things I'm thinking about and tell me what, tell me if I need to be thinking about anything else, Keith. Um, my own tips, control my breathing early in the race just to help control the nerves. And I think that'll just help slow me down. There's going to be adrenaline going on right when right when you cross the line, tons of people around you. I think it will probably take the first 5K for my breathing to come back to normal and uh, 
and probably the heart rate too. Cause I'll, I'll look at the heart rate afterward. I will not look at the heart rate during the race. I know it'll be high unnecessarily high just because of the adrenaline and the excitement. So, um, that that's one thing I'm thinking about, um, running with others. Um, there is no pacer for three hours in the corral I'm in. Um, so I will run with others when it like fits my pace and, um, really, really stick to that. The rule I have is to never go faster than 640 per mile, like any instantaneous speed, right? I don't want to have to, there's no hills on the Chicago marathon. So I never want to be pushing a pace faster than 640. I feel like that would push me, um, too much into like, building up too much fatigue or wearing down too quickly right. uh, for later in the race. And then with, with all those things said, um, I need to. I guess I benefit or I like to visualize my races. Um, don't know if you talk about that with any of your younger athletes, but like to me, it helps a lot. And what I'm visualizing is the back half of this race is going to hurt a lot. It's going to suck. Um, the first half is all going to be lined with people. Um, you go North, you come back down and it's, it's a race course that is just completely lined with people. The Chicago marathon though, heads West into the Southwest. Um, in the back half and there's a lot less people out there and there's going to be some sections where there's just not going to be any people. You're just going to be surrounded by the people you're running with if you are, um, but it can get lonely out there and I'm going to be aware that it's going to hurt and I'm going to have to push past others because by the, if I'm trying to run an even split or maybe even close to a negative split if possible, very few other people are going to be doing the same and I need to be aware of that and be ready like it's not just running with a group of people anymore in the back half. It's running past groups of people because their pace in the first half isn't going to match what their pace in the second half is going to be. And I can't get stuck with people going backwards or slowing down. So in essence, I got to run my own race, maybe the first half of the race. Okay. Get a little excited, caught in some of the caught in some of that excitement, but uh, certainly the back half of the race, it's going to be me against this marathon. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, especially since you're not in that, that front corral, it is going to be a little bit more sparse, I guess, than, uh, if you just look at the results, but I'm sure that, that you'll have some company, hopefully that, that last 10 K when it gets pretty tough. I'm sure there will be people from the C corral that go under three, many, many people that go under yeah. three hours. Uh, cause it's a big group of people. Uh, there's also going to be probably a ton of them that go under 128. And then still don't make under three hours at the finish though, is kind of what I think. Uh, there's right. going to be poor pacing. There's going to be people that can hold it. Some people that probably even negative split it, um, going significantly faster than three hours. So, uh, there's just going to be a, a wide range of people in that group. And I have to be able to quickly understand that even if the first half is like, Hey, I'm running with these five people we are really packed up and it's, it's going well. Um, I know all their names were chatting by the back half of that race, it could be an entirely different experience. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully you're not the one going backwards though. You're going to be, you're going to be getting yeah. there under three hours. Yeah. I hope so. What else, what else do I need to be thinking of? Give me your last coach's tip. Um, I, th I think you've, you've covered it. I think the main part is just kind of going out being smooth in the beginning and, and just taking it one little piece of the race at a time and, and don't think too far ahead. Um, but I do think, you know, like we said before, just bank yourself a few seconds at the half and then uh, don't forget to, don't forget to drink and get the gels down and, and you'll be good. All right. I'm excited for it. 
Yeah, me too. Nervous, nervous and excited, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be a PR no matter what. And um, that's right. I can bank a couple of seconds in the first half. Uh, it'll be a PR half, by the way. Like my my half, I haven't really raced that much, so there's going to be a lot to be excited for. Um, and uh, yeah. just get out there and do it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So now uh, are we going to talk about the big the big race finally back? The the big the the Kona since 2019 yeah i'm i'm pumped um there's tons of youtube talbot cox the the kona diaries or the the vlog series he's putting out um breakfast with bob there's tons of stuff going on right now so it's really exciting to watch and i don't know i think that from a what what i think is unique both from a a women's and a men's race perspective here you know, I, I put my notes down so you can kind of see what I was thinking, Keith. We have like two entirely different dynamics, I feel like. The women's race where um, I feel like if you go back to 2019, you're going to see a lot of similar names. Not necessarily all of them of the top five or top main contenders that you would see in 2019. Some Some new names up there, but a lot of similar dominant names. When you flip to the men's race, this is a race where I think we are seeing a new breed of triathlete kind of come to the stage and now that they finally have a chance to show it off at kona um well it's 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 exciting it's big for all of them yeah yeah this is pretty huge i'm i this is the most excited i've been i think before we kind of get into the the people in the race the the only thing for me that i know it's it's going to be better maybe maybe it's gonna be better um that they're splitting it up into two days i think it's nice that they're going to highlight the women but i don't know that i'm going to be able to watch and that's the disappointing part yeah so the women are on thursday for those that don't know and the men are on saturday right or it's moved to saturday which just used to be a sunday race it's always saturday it's always been saturday it's always okay. been on saturday but the everybody goes together and so now they're okay. doing uh, some of the women or all of the women and some of the male age groups are on thursday and then the men that remain are on uh, Saturday. Um, but you know, the women I'm, I'm looking for the start time right now. Um, because the hard part is it's Thursday. So they're going to be, you know, coming to the end of the race kind of when I'm at practice, I think. And so that's, that's kind of the tough part. Um, that's easy. You cancel practice. It, we might have to, or we're going to be watching <laughs> it at, at practice. I'm not sure. So that's funny. they're starting at six 25, um, local time. And so that's, uh, I think they're five hours behind us. So that's going to be, I guess that might be nice. That's probably going to put them at the end around 8.30, give or take, you know, a little bit before 8.30, 8 o'clock. Yeah. At night. Yeah, yeah. That, it'll be, watch watch it if you can. I mean, the good news is this stuff's always recorded. And uh, I often don't get to watch it live myself, but I'll try as much as I can. Uh, and I'll I'll catch up via the recorded uh, online sessions so uh i guess since the women's race is first we should dive into the women's race first yep let's do that okay so i've already kind of given you my insight as to like the differences between the two races um and so I'll, I'll, oh, before we jump into things i want to ask a question how so i know we talk about races all the time we pick our we pick our picks but we need to do something different this time it's kona we're making picks women's and men's and we need to we need to make 
we need to put the stakes to it a little bit. Okay. So our picks, we could make it confusing. We could make it really confusing and go with something like whoever's picks have the highest total PTO points wins, but who the hell knows what PTO points mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or we could just kind of make it like cross country rules. Like, Hey, one first place is one point. Second place is two points. Lowest point, lowest, lowest overall for their podium pick wins. I don't know. What do you think? You want to, you yeah. want to make this a competition? I, I like that. Are we going to, are we going to alternate picks though? So we don't pick the same people. No, no, no. You pick your podium. I pick my podium. Oh, okay. Whoever's combined podium, unless we have identical podiums then we go to the fourth and we go to the fifth. If we have the, if we have different top threes. We're good. Okay. Um, I don't, well, you, I wish I hadn't put my picks in, in the notes because now you can see them. So you're going to go off. Uh, yours are different but, than mine. Okay. Okay. So good. So as long as we have different picks, then whoever's picks lowest total based off finishing position wins. And we'll have to figure out what that wins means, but wins. But we're going to keep track of it. So next week when we come back and we talk about the race recap, then we actually have something to brag about. Not just brag about, but then also and lose yeah so uh i guess starting on the women's side like who are who are you the most excited to see like who are our favorites to to win the race that i think maybe the obvious favorites well clearly daniela um there was a i would almost say a six to 12 month period of time right when we thought that she wasn't going to come back in form the way that she had been in the past uh and and I remember that because right before, right before 70 point or excuse me, Ironman world championships in St. George, I said, she wasn't even going to be on the podium because of what we had seen from her earlier. And then she came out and just dominated. And I, and I think it's cause she listened to this podcast. She heard me talk smack and she, she was just doing that to all of our faces. When she crossed the finish line, she was like pointing at the camera. She was very upset. She felt like she'd been slighted. I feel like she still feels that way. And Danielle is going to come out and have a Daniela type performance. So, um, like, I don't, is there any way you don't pick Daniela to make, to, to win? No, I, I don't think so. She's, she's the same for me. I think that she's going to, to win. I don't know that you can pick against her. Um, I mean, she's technically the defending world champion. Um, she was, you know, she, obviously she didn't win Kona the last time it was there, but I think that, I think she's going to win. And I think if the weather's right, we could see her go really, really fast and, and maybe course record fast. Yeah, of course, record fast. So it was really going to be weather dependent. Um, but for her, she's going to dominate. She's going to dominate start to finish. Well, dominate everything except for Lucy in the swim. When it comes to the bike, she's going to bridge up to Lucy. She's going to bridge up to anyone else in front of her. Um, she's going to have by far the strongest bike. Lucy might be able to compete with her for a little while, but if if it comes down to it and Lucy's up there, she had a good break because of her strong swim. And Danielle blows past her. I think even even Lucy recognizes will recognize her dominance and just let her right away. Like can't. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, which ultimately kind of means in my head, I I don't. The the women's race is a lot different than the men's race, where you have bigger pack dynamics on the men's side. A lot of athletes grouped together in different, um, maybe one or two or three big packs. On the women's side, I just don't see a pack, a main contending pack forming. Uh, I see Lucy being way out in advance, uh, Daniela coming up through the, after the swim through the bike, taking lead at some point in the bike. Um, and then just having Daniela, you'll have Lucy, maybe you'll have a couple other people there as well, um, trailing off the back. But to me, that that's almost how the race shakes out. 
because I don't think other athletes can compete with those two's combination early on in the race. Yeah. I think that the only thing, um, that I could see maybe breaking that up a little bit is if Lucy has some people with her out of the water. Um, and so I don't know, you know, what the likelihood is that they'll be able to work together a whole lot. Um, but if she has like Lauren Brandon and Rachel Zelenskis with her out of the water, I think that might be the lead group. Um, Haley Churum might be able to make that group. Um, and then Fennell is probably bike with her though. I don't know if they can bike with her, but with a 10 meter draft zone, maybe they could. Um, and so maybe you could have four or five that happen. Like maybe you have four or five. She goes hard. She does. But if she can get some help, you know, Lauren can ride. Um, it would be really cool to kind of see if they can maybe hold off, uh, Daniela at least until the run, um, and, and make it interesting. Um, it would so I don't know that Daniela wasn't in the Say that again. I, I sorry. I thought uh, I think it would be very interesting if Danielle wasn't in the lead coming off the bike. But like, just remember what she did in St. George. Not, like she just blew up the field, um, and that's you know, Cat was there, and and she's a strong biker, and like it was like fifteen minute gap to second. Uh, and that's yeah. a tough bike course, um, certainly with the hills and the climbing. And Danielle is certainly used to that. But I, I, you know, with the crosswinds and the, the, the climb to high V, I still see a similar type of, of dominance likely to happen here. Yeah, most likely. But I think, uh, I think there's a chance that we can see a few off the bike first. Um, and then we'll see what happens from there. That'd be cool. I, I think that would be really cool. That would be a dynamic that I'm, I'm not expecting. Okay. Before we go to the total picks, which I like, we've already kind of talked about, it. um, who are your dark horses that you're looking at or other storylines that you think are going to be interesting to see here? No, I'm, I'm really interested to see, uh, Lisa Norton. I think that, that she's kind of made a nice jump up to long course. Um, I don't know if sky Munch is considered a dark horse or not. I think that, you know, I mean, obviously she was fourth in St. George back in the spring. So I think she's, that kind of makes her contender automatically. Um, I'm excited to see Ruth Assel at, at Kona for the first time. Um, and then I think my, the last one that I'm, I'm really interested to see too is kind of where Heather Jackson is, you know, she's kind of been up and down. And so I think it'll be, it'll be fun to see, you know, where she is uh, and if she's able to kind of be, be in the race. Cause she's had some great performances at Kona. Um, but you know, she hasn't yeah. really had a, a spectacular season. I don't think. No, well, she, she also spent like a, a month or two doing some gravel racing. I think she's probably fit. She's always fit. Um, yeah. but is she gonna, is she gonna be a contender possibly because she has the experience. And when you get to, when you get to Kona, there's something to be said about experience. Um, yeah. I do think, so yes, Sky, I put her in my dark horse column because I just don't think her performance has lived up to what she was doing pre Ironman. St. George versus post. Um, and my, my storyline pick for her is I think she's going to do worse in Kona than she did in St. George competitions. Well, I don't know. St. George was tough competition, but I think here it's going to be a little steep, uh, a little bit deeper. Um, we also have Sarah true coming back. Like, I'm just surprised to see her at Kona. She she's just back after having, I think what they have their child in 2020 or 2021. Um, she's now back into Ironman qualify and now she's going to be out there. Um, last time she was in Kona, she DNF'd 
she doesn't do well on the heat. So my storyline there, kind of a hot take is another DNF, but it would be really cool if she, she performed well, because prior to her 2019 season, like 2018, 2019 before, or any of the races where she wasn't really competing in the hot, hot heat, she did really, really well. She's fast. She can be extremely fast, but I just don't, I just don't know. Like she might be fast, but we just haven't seen that much of her yet. Right. Well, I saw her in person a month ago and she kicked my butt in an Olympic distance on a road bike. So I know that she's uh, in reasonable shape. So yeah, no, she's, she's tough, but like, like how, how is she Kona tough yet? Um, it'll be really cool to see. And when you go out there with the competition that she has, we're going to be able to find out really quickly where, where she slots in. Um, but it's the heat. That's the thing that makes me a little bit wary of being like, Hey, Sarah true in the heat. I don't think you pick her. Um, here's my, here's my other hot take. And this might, I don't know if this is going to impact your podium picks or not, but Ann Haug, I, I think the bike is just getting too competitive. And if she doesn't get, if she can't keep up on the bike, she will not have enough time to run people down. She's a dark horse on my list because of that. I think like she she could be on the extended, she could be on the extended podium, but I think there's too much bike power in this race nowadays with Daniela um, and some of the others that she's going to come off too far back. She has the experience. She can run. She can certainly run at Kona in the heat. Um, So she's going to pick people off, but was it 2018 or 2019 when she like came off the bike and like fifth or sixth and ran through everybody. I don't think that's happening again. Right. I think she's got to be close. I think she's going to run faster than Daniela. Um, but I mean, she's going to have one of the, she's probably going to have a top five bike split, I would think. And so she's going to keep herself in the race. To me, it's more like the swim. If she misses the group on the bike, you know, is she not going, is she not strong enough to overcome the group? Because I know she's going to, we know she will have a fast ride. She had the sixth fastest ride in St. George. And so, you know, she'll keep herself in it. It's just the, if she misses the group. Um, okay. but also in St. George, she came out of the water just five seconds behind Daniela and then got dropped. So to me, it's, you know, can she get out of the water with Stick Daniela yeah. and then get on the train? That's the, no, I think that that's impossible. Sure. The Daniela train early in the race. No, don't even like for Ann to try to stay on Daniela's wheel on the first 10 miles is a bad idea. I feel like. For anyone to try and stay on Danielle's wheel on the first 10 miles, probably for the first 112, if I'm being honest, but <laughs> it's All right, just so, uh, so who is your, uh, who's your women's podium? All right. So Daniela, obviously we've talked about her enough. Um, then I, then I'm going with Lucy. Cause I think she always sets herself up cause she's a strong swimmer. She's a strong biker. We know she like, it's, it's one, it's surprising that she's at this race cause she's had that that hip fracture. But I think the racing that we've seen from her, she's still a strong swimmer, right? That, that didn't go away and she's still going to bike really well. And PTO us open was a good example of that she had some things go against her, but she still biked extremely well. So I think she's still going to carry that over onto this course. And, um, and then I, there's a question mark there though. Will will how will her hip hold up? How will her run form hold up? Cause she can't have that many run miles over the last couple months built up, but I think she's going to hold on. So I have her a second. I could easily see her moving down a position or two, but, but I have her a second, uh, and then Laura Phillip third. Okay. I'm i uh, I'm mine's, mine's significantly different. 
I think that, you know, how many times have we watched Kona and then the podium is exactly the three people you expect it to be? That that pretty much hasn't happened outside of 2018, going back through the last few years. Um, 2018 was the year that the uh, the podium was Daniela, Lucy, and Anne. Um, and so I'm, I think Danielle is going to win. Uh, I'm going to say Ann Haug is going to get second. And then I'm going to go somewhere slightly off and say that uh, Lisa Norton is going to get third. I know it's the first trip to Kona, but I think uh, she's in good shape. She can ride. Um, and so she's coming in ready. And so that's going to be my unexpected podium finisher because somebody has to. So I think I it's like going it. to Okay, we have a very different podium. So Daniela will take her off our battles between Lucy and Laura. Uh, and and what were your two again? Uh, Anne and Lisa Norton. Anne and Lisa Norton. Okay, let's see it. All right, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, all right, moving on to the men. This this race is loaded. I think we're we're both pretty excited about this one. We're both excited, and I'm very interested once we get to our picks how different they will be. Hopefully, we're not just picking one or racing one person against one person. We might have to go deeper than top three here. Um, this is totally a race of the new blood because, like, you go back to the last time this race was run, and um, yeah, you got Jan. Jan's gone. He's actually going to be at the race. Uh, I think he has a breakfast with Bob segment as well later this week. So, check that out. Those are always fun to watch. Um, but he's not racing this year. You got, and you, right now you have a ton of Norwegians coming into the race, other strong ITU athletes moving up, a bunch of people that if you haven't watched Ironman or long course triathlon since 2019, um, you don't know a lot of the people, a lot of the main contenders in this field. You do, you do know some of them that have won in the past or been on the podium in the past. But if you look at the rankings and where they fit and where people would probably pick them, they're further down the list to most people's consensus uh, estimates, right? Uh, Patrick Lana has said on social media and other podcasts that he thinks that he's coming into this race as an underdog. And the guy has won Kona twice. Uh, Tim O'Donnell, 2019, second place. And um, I don't feel like anyone's talking about Tim O'Donnell. You got Sebastian Keenley making his last uh, Kona Ironman World Championship um, event so there's just there's a lot of history there's a lot of new athletes making their first where do you what do you what are you seeing what, what's getting i mean that's exciting to me what's getting you excited here uh to me it's it's pretty much the same thing just trying to see where the young guys fit in because you know obviously the norwegians making their first shot at kona we know that they're good at at ironman as a distance um but to see them actually go out to kona and do it i think that's really exciting um, and then just how young a lot of the favorites are, right? Because, I mean, if you look at guys like Magnus and Daniel Backegaard and uh, Sam Laidlow, all of those guys are, you know, 27 or younger, right? And so presumably they've got 10 to 15 more years of really good Ironman racing. So, you know, to me, it's just trying to see the young guys and if anybody can actually stop uh, Christian and Gustav from, from going one two without them getting a flat, like we've seen a couple of times. Yeah. Mechanicals pending. Um, okay. But let's, let's stay away from like the podium, our top picks. Let's talk about the dark horses or the fun stories that you think are, are interesting to watch here. Which, which ones are of most interest to you? Um, I'm going to go pretty far off the radar and say that Chris Leiferman, I think is my American to watch 
pick. Um, it seems like he's done a, lo- a lot of a lot of races. He's kind of like the the American that everybody forgets about, and I'm not really sure why. He's gone really fast a few times. You know, he's regularly under eight hours. Uh, he went eight flat in St. George back in the spring. Um, but he's uh, he seems like a pretty cool guy. He's very much just a, a regular guy doing Ironman, and he's always up there. He's got a, a good number of wins, and so. Um, the only thing is in Hawaii, you know, his best finish is 10th. Um, but kind of when he got hot in triathlon, that's when everything shut down. So he hasn't actually been to Kona since 2018 or 2019. And so like everybody else, but that was his only one. Right. And so, um, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, what he does now, three years older and wiser and, um, just kind of see where he goes from there. So he's probably the person I'm most excited to see. Um, and it's a little unfortunate for him, I think, just because, you know, he was 33 in 2019. And so he kind of missed, you know, the, the usual kind of prime Ironman years. So now he's 36. Um, and so he's probably just got a couple more really good shots at it. So, um, I'm excited to watch him race. What about you? Yeah, that, that, that's exciting. I'll, I'll help you with a even more exciting American, Colin Chartier. Did I say his last name right? I'm not even sure. <laughs> like, because Probably close. I only only found only even heard of him for the first time uh, two weeks ago at the PTO US Open. Um, he was racing in ITU, and that's really where his ambition is lies. Um, but he's you know in in one of the Talbot Cox videos, he 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 has an interview where he's talking about where he's from, what he wants to do, his ambitions and stuff. He wants to do IT racing. He wants to do draft legal. And uh, he talked about how USA triathlon pretty much kicked him out for some of the younger guys and how he's coming to 70.3 and Ironman branded racing just to make some money. And he's coming over and, and now he's racing Kona and right off of the heels of a very impressive win at the U S open. So I think that that's a very intriguing uh, person to watch very intriguing American to watch obviously handled the heat really well he's racing on a bike a used bike that he bought for, I think from Facebook or Craigslist the Trek speed concept not this or uh, not this break um, it was from some other um, uh, obviously uh, triathlete but had a whole bunch of other stickers on it that he had to start to peel off I mean he has he just has a really interesting story when when you kind of look into it um he's coming back coming coming through the sport and trying to make some money and he's obviously he's a contender i think he's a contender for maybe not the podium um but for a really strong position yeah i think we could see him finish in the top 10 if he's you know off the bike in a good spot i think the slower swim at the u.s open probably helped him out um but yeah the the uh the pandemic pretty much cut off his his itu hopes or his uh his draft legal hopes I think yeah. so. But if you, if you look back at his results, he's had some pretty strong world cups, but he was never really a standout guy. And I think just, you know, coming from a running background, if he's not making that group out of the water, um, but now he, he's just moved up since the pandemic to the longer distances and he's great. So, you know, he got a, a win um, earlier this year at uh, uh Blanc. And so, yeah, you never know. Um, He's won his last two races, and maybe this is the next one. Maybe he's just going to keep maybe rolling. This is, yeah, and, and Lionel talks about it. Like he he's he's having good sessions right now in the heat, and he thinks that his sessions are crap. And the call is there, and and he's saying, "No, your sessions are good." He's ra- he's running with Colin. 
right next to him. And he was like, Colin is just doing exceptionally well in the heat above and beyond what expectation should be. Like Colin may just be able to handle the heat better than most people. And uh, if he, if that's, if that's true, if that's accurate in any way, then, then Kona is your race. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. So who are your, uh, maybe let's go to five on the mid. Oh, just let, in case. let me, let me kind of, yeah, we can go to five on the men. I'll give you some more dark horses though. Cause I think this is kind of controversial as well. Lionel's a dark horse on my book, right? Meaning I don't think he's on the extended podium. He could be, if he has a good day, but I don't think because of how he deals with the heat, because he's going to come out of the water with a pretty big deficit. Like they're going to push the swim. This is going to be a fast race. Everyone knows how fast everyone else is at this race. The swim is going to be fast. The bike is going to be fast. There's not, if there's a pack of five guys up the road, they're not all going to be sitting waiting for the next pack to catch them. They're going to be pushing it. Um, so I feel like this is just not going to set up for anyone that starts the race in a deficit like Lionel. So right. I don't have him in my top five, unfortunately. Plus we've seen, we've seen him walk too much in Kona. Yeah. I, I don't either. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd love to see him do well. I think it'd be great if he won, but I'm, I'm not so sure that he's going to get on the podium this year. Yeah. Uh, and then, then my other take that, that I'd love to share with you, Braden Curry, which he had a great race was in that top five group that was pushing the bike in St. George. I don't think he's going to be able to have as good a race here in Kona. That's my take. He was yeah, third I, in St. George. I just, I think the competition, we have some athletes here in Kona that weren't in St. George. Um, I think the competition here is taking it a step up. Yeah. I, he's another one. I, I, he's always up there and he's always in the mix, but I'm not so sure that he's going to get on the podium either, but he's also another one that can handle the heat. So if he can hold it together down to the last, last little bit, he might sneak in the top five. All right. So let's, let's do the picks. You go first this time. Okay. And, uh, um, and I assume we just have to take Gustav and Christian off the list because we're both going to have them up there. Yeah. I think Gustav's going to win. I think Christian Christian's going to get second. Um, looking at third, I'm going to say that Magnus Ditlev is going to get third. And okay, so we, we'll just pause you right there. We are identical. Okay. In the top three. Okay. In that same order? That means it can't. In that exact same order, Gustav, Christian, uh, Magnus Ditlev. So okay. we have to go, we have to go to the extended podium. Uh, which so I didn't I'm have to say that I, I'll I'll do it on the spot. Okay. I I think that Braden Curry is going to get fourth. Okay. And I'm going to go with Chris Leiferman in fifth. Okay. So we're definitely going to switch it up here. All right. So, um, something that just comes to my mind when I remember watching 2017, 2018, 2019 is that German train, those two blue bikers right next to each other, the first one. And then the second one, the second one was always Patrick Lange. He always had a buddy in front of him. I think we're going to see the same exact thing this time. And he's not, he is, a, he's, I put him on my dark horse list, but I think he could be on the extended podium. Um, and I think it's going to be because if he gets into any truck, like he's going to be near his buddy Florian and he's going to be sitting right on his wheel. 
and Florian on the bike is going to get him right to where he needs to be to maybe it's not in the top five come into the bike ride, but it's going to be close enough. And Patrick's going to be able to run people down. So I put Patrick playing at fourth and then why not? Let's go with Colin for fifth. Like if he, if he is actually good in the heat, um, let's, let's, let's give it to the rookie. He's strike, the, you know, but strike the iron when it's hot. Uh, he just came off a really impressive performance at the, at the U S open. Uh, let's put him at fifth. Oh man. I thought you were about to go to Florian anger for fifth. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't I think so. very close. I think we need a fast. I, I think we need a faster wow. runner than that. Well, he no, he's a quick runner, but um, but I think Colin, Colin might be able to outrun him. Okay, I was debating between Florian and, and uh, Chris Leiferman for fifth. So interesting. And then I, so, I think I'll, that line is yeah. going to be so close. If I had to, pick I, I would love it if he's in the top. I would love it to see Lionel win. Like I just think yeah. he has too many puzzle pieces yet to figure out in this yeah. sport. Um, and it's cool because you get to watch, like, of all the athletes, Lionel, you get to watch on YouTube and, like, feel, he just tells it. Um, but, like, there's just, the puzzle pieces are pretty big. Like, and it's yeah. a swim, it's a heat. Um, putting it all together, it's a tough. It's tough, especially when these other athletes are just right now coming out. They're so strong. They're so strong. I mean, we, like, seriously, we haven't even talked about back of guard at all. Like, like or Sam Laidlow, those, those they should yeah. be top five contenders. Like that's crazy. We yeah. haven't even talked about it yet. There's there's uh, thirty guys on this list that I think could <sighs> realistically be in the top five. So it's this is going to be a really fun race to watch. We have, dude, we haven't even talked about Joe Skipper, like in the run yeah. that he did at Ironman Wales, and he did that. He, he won, dominated, even though he had a twenty minute mechanical or forty minute mechanical. Um, Rudy von Berg, haven't talked about him. And he's going to have a strong bike. He's going to be right. He's going to be in that pack of other people coming off the bike. And then Matt Hansen, if he can be, if he can find himself in a good position, he can run people down too. I mean, there's, yeah, there's yeah. so many people here that, that Kyle legitimately have. We didn't shot. even mention Kyle Smith, who was in that league group all day back in uh, St. Yeah. George. So he's Jan's training, training buddy. I learned at that yeah. point in time. Didn't even, didn't know that back in May. I certainly know that today. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, pretty exciting week. Uh, don't forget to tune in. It's Thursday for the women and uh, Saturday for the men. And then don't forget to track right. Michael this weekend in the uh, Chicago Marathon on Sunday. Yeah. Track me, please. And um, yeah, if you're in Chicago, come out to the course. It, it's an exciting, exciting event to watch. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. We'll we'll have some reaction to uh, to Kona and as soon as we can next week. And we need to figure out between now and then what what the bet's for. What the yeah. bet's for. So if All you're right. listening and you, and you want to put something on the line for us, let us know. Give us some suggestions. That, that would be appreciated. So, cool. All right. Next week, we'll be back. We'll, we'll recap the uh, Ironman uh, Kona World Championships, and I'll give you an update as to how the Chicago Marathon went. All right. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. All right. Bye, everybody.